guys, how's it going? It's Lengthy Zemet here with Cartel Aristocrats Finance Podcast number 23. As usual, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves for everyone listening. Hey guys, I am Douglas Johnson, also known as DJ. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns, and I write for QS. My name is Jim Casal, and uh, unlike everyone else, I live in the South, so it's a little hot, so I'm not dressed up nicely like everyone else is apparently. Um, you can find me on Twitter at P-H-R-O-S-T underscore. You can find me on Modern Nexus every Tuesday. And starting next Monday, you can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. And just as always, my name is Travis Allen. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Wednesday at mtgprice.com, and I do MTG Fast Finance with James Shilcott. And Zemet is uh, muted, so he's not saying anything. <laughs> right. I'm Zemet. You can find me at Zemet Sells Magic on Twitter uh, or at, at pretty much any Grand Prix. Uh, just to give a quick rundown for those that I talked to. And uh, thanks for people who have been listening. Uh, we've had a lot of viewer support come in. I was approached by a couple people at Grand Prix Indie thanking us for the cast. And uh, we finally have an RSS feed if you're listening to this through SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, I am definitely not a technology person, so it was nice to have a cast listener help us out with that. Uh, breakdown of Grand Prix Indy real quick. Um, Kerwan was basically paying 80% of TCG low on everything, which was awesome. Haruyuya was paying above TCG mid on competitive staples, which is a gamble, and everyone else was sort of everyone else. Um, the Grand Prix was big. A lot of people were complaining about modern, so I'm not really... Nothing crazy going on at that Grand Prix anyway. Uh, but Kerwan is definitely an up-and-coming shop from New York that I had no idea about that I actually like now. I've only been to that store once, but I really liked it the time I did go. That was back when I was a PTQ, PTQ grinder, but it was a nice place like five years ago. Yeah, uh, just for some ballpark numbers, my friend got $165 on his foil Modern Masters Tarmogoyce, which are TCG low for about 200 The entire room was selling them for 210 uh, They paid $138 on Vernon Catacomb Expeditions, and I believe low is now 145 to 150 so it's just a general bar ballpark of high-end foils that they were uh, doing well on. I got 130 on my foil Jason Mind Sculptor, which is five dollars below TCG low. Uh, Eternal Masters, of course. Foil Modern Masters Tarmogoyf is only like a hundred dollars. No, uh, they're two hundred, but they paid one sixty-five one seventy. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Two hundred. That seems yeah. really cheap. Everyone at the floor had them for two ten. Uh, Goyf's highest BIOS was eighty-five dollars. Um, the floor had every copy for hundred and five dollars. Uh, so pretty crazy. Um, anyway, Conspiracy 2 came out. Uh, should have named it Conspira Crash. Like, Inquisition went down to $3. I was at the Grand Prix, uh, so I wasn't able yeah. to buy out the internet then. Um, now it's back up to 6 The The blue uh, expropriate went from a pre-order price of $2. It is now up to $3.50. I'm pretty happy about that, because that card is insane. And, yeah, that's pretty much it price-wise. The Planeswalkers are now $10. Anything that you guys want to add about Conspiracy 2? We, do we really like... Uh, oh, shit, what was that card you just said? Well, I'm saving that for uh, Pick of the Week, but Expropriate I like. Interesting. Um, this card actually did go up. Each player, turns out, likes taking extra turns and uh, taking control with Blatant Thievery effects. And the more players you're playing with, I myself play in more than a four-person pod for ADH, so it's even more powerful there. 
the more players you're playing with past four, the worse the game gets overall, though. It's just like a bad idea to do that. Uh, we generally play with about ten people, so our EDH decks are built a little differently than most people. But how no, is that all feasible? It is a lot of fun, and consuming aberration is even more broken in a ten-player multiplayer game than it is in a four-player multiplayer game. Like, how I'm long should sure. it take? As I say, I'm pretty sure they only play one game every time they meet. Yeah, the games last about five or six hours. We meet up for lunch, and then we order pizza for dinner while we're still playing. It's a way to catch up with everyone, so we talk while we're playing. It's not just, like, straight gameplay. It's a group of friends that likes to play EDH, and we spend a whole day playing one EDH game while talking with each other. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same way for everybody, but, like, can you ever attack? Yeah, you can. Seems... It's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of graveyard reanimation strategies. Because uh, it's also... All... Goad people into attacking other people, and that's how do you good. how do you not just like combo kill somebody on like turn five and shuffle up the next game? Because some people, because when nine people are targeting you for playing that deck, you generally bring a more casual deck. The metagame sorts itself out. Uh, it, at one point, it was more inbred than most Floridians tree lines or family tree lines, but it's it's worked out pretty well. But uh, that's not really finance talk. Is there anything as far as conspiracy two that you guys like or? Not really. Not at the moment. Not until I see a little bit more out of the set. I mean, it looks sweet to draft. It so. is. It is fun to draft. We had a lot of fun with that this week. I'm weekend. the only one I think who hasn't uh, gotten a chance to draft it yet. No, I haven't gotten a chance to draft it yet either because my sealed product just came today. So I haven't gone out and, and found my idiot friends to get together and play a pod. I think I think the trick to conspiracy two might actually be taking all of the interesting conspiracies and uh, shuffling them up in a separate pile and like handing one out randomly to each player before the draft so that you get to guaranteed to do something cool. Travis's dog's making another appearance. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you guys are listening to the cards on finance, the word for this week is pineapple. Uh, so tweet at SigFig8 for missing a cast. Uh, you can do this live or when you're listening again, just tweet pineapple. Every time he misses a cast, we're going to name a word. If you guys want to tweet that at him, it will help him get back to the cast sooner. This is just always going to be a fruit because that would be the best. How else would you describe Sig? Boom. Oh, uh, <laughs> Uh, so we do have some viewer questions. At R.D. Jones asks, Kaladesh looks to be an enemy color. Pair set, is R&D crazy enough to put fetches back in with Battlelands six more months? And there are some theories that I know that you guys want to expand on for Kaladesh and what could possibly come after. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with that? Uh, there won't be fetchlands in Kaladesh. The end. Happily ever after. I humbly disagree with you. I think that they're entirely possible and probable. Even though it does leave us with the Battleland, Fetchland problem again for a little bit, without a lot of really powerful gold cards, you won't have the same format that you had with uh, with the Cons of Tarkir, Fetchlands, and Battlelands. Um, we're definitely getting an enemy-colored cycle because the Painlands are leaving, and they like to keep it balanced, but... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fetchlands. If, if we don't get them this time, though, I don't think that we're going to get them until next fall. My mic on? Yeah, uh, they're not giving us uh, fetches. That just is the worst idea. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll just let you finish, but I want to expand on my argument after that before we go to the next question. Uh, yeah, I, I'm done. I just 
I'm not going to expand. I just don't think that they're okay. putting them there. So part of my reasoning is that I don't think that Kawadesh is a plane that has the environment to support cards with names like the enemy fetchlands. Like, I think that they'll come up with some sort of wacky, like, clockwork uh, mechanist, like, steampunky named lands instead. Instead of, like, I don't think Kawadesh is a place that has, like, a sulfur falls for a blue-red land. I think it'll have some sort of, like, steam venti uh like, clockwork town, waterfall, mountainy-ish thing. Instead of, like, sulfur falls. That's just my part of my agreement, though. I'm I'm disappointed in you, Doug. Sulphur Falls is the check land, not the fetch land. Whatever, Scalding Tarn. I don't think that Kaladesh will have natural, uh, naturally occurring environments for lands. I think they'll make up the new set of enemy. I do think there'll be an enemy cycle, but I think it'll be like steampunky-ish. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Modernized lands. I mean, you could say that, but the argument can also be made that like. The, the Shocklands don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense on Ravnica because some of them are just, like, things that you don't find in a city. So I don't think that that's a really a reason why that would be a problem. Like, there's no... Stomping Ground is just a giant field with a mountain in it. Like, that doesn't exist in a city. So I think that if they can figure out a way to get all the Shocks into a Ravnica setting, that they can really put these anywhere. Like, they don't have names that necessarily put them on a plane, which is important, but I, I I don't think that that's the reason why they wouldn't put them in there. I think if they did, weren't going to put them in there, it would be because they don't want shocks, or they don't want fetches and battles in the same standard again, but I don't think that that necessarily would stop them because the environment could be different with the spells that you can play. So then looking forward... Um, a lot of people are predicting that Eldritch Moon staples are going to go up fast because we just got Conspiracy and it's not being drafted. Everyone wants to play with the new hotness. Uh, but then what, what do we see for Modern Masters 3? Uh, there is an expectation of an announcement this weekend. Does anyone have any predictions about what we're going to see at all? Wait, what are they supposed to be announcing? Uh, we're assuming that we're getting uh, Modern Masters 3 announced because this is generally the time that they do it is uh, the upcoming... Uh, Packs slash the Pro Tour. It's actually on Wednesday. Like, for sure, for sure, they're making the announcements for the next six months of Magic Seal product and stuff on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, for the love of God, I hope we don't get Will Wheaton again. That's that's part one. Um, uh, part two, I really, really expect Liliana the Mail to be the card spoiled if we do get a card spoiled for Modern Masters 3. So I would sell those now for $100 or whatever they're at because I don't expect that card to survive the next couple weeks without being leaked as being in the set. Yeah, it's this is pretty straightforward. They're announcing Kaladesh on Wednesday with everything else, and then this weekend is when they start uh, officially, I guess, spoiling stuff. Or, uh, I'm sorry. This weekend is when they officially start spoiling stuff for Kaladesh, and then on Wednesday they will be announcing Modern Masters 3, which they have all but confirmed, and they will most likely include a card with the announcement, and I expect it to be Liliana the Veil. Possibly Snapcaster, but probably Liliana. I also think they're, they're going to announce another Return to Ravnica, or Return and to Return to Ravnica. I'm with Jim on this one, actually. I think we're getting... If we don't get Ravnica's return uh, in May, I think we get it next fall. 
Yeah, I'm I'm feeling either Ravnica or New Phyrexia. I think are the two places I think we're likely to go back. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a homer. I really want to go back to New Phyrexia because I missed the Return to Mirrodin because I came back during Dark Ascension. But um, the story article that came out today basically all but confirms the storyline is going to be uh, Chandra goes to Kaladesh with Liliana to go get revenge for like the people that mistreated her family. And then Nyssa went to go bring them back, basically, or, or, or help them or whatever. And Jace is stuck in her pile of paperwork, and Gideon is going to go find Vraska to figure out why she keeps killing the Azorius uh, judges or whatever. So I have a feeling what's going to happen is the three girls are going to go to Kaladesh, they're going to do their thing, Chandra's going to cause a revolt because that's what the name of the second set is, and then they're going to come back, and then they're going to be like, oh, Gideon's like bad at fighting a thing that turns people to stone or something. I don't know. Mistreated is uh, is a pretty kind way to put it, considering her parents were murdered in cold blood. Just... Yeah, I you know I just wanted to save some of the some of the reading for another day. All right. I don't want to uh, spoil the whole story. I think Return to Ravnica is possible. I would really prefer a Return to Mirrodin or New Phyrexia just because uh, that's probably my favorite plane and I had the most fun playing Standard when Scars of Mirrodin was out. But I would think that Return to Ravnica is more likely overall just because of the way the story is heading. Well, we'll get we'll return to Mirrodin and I, I could see Ravnica in the spring uh, spring and summer, the same as Innistrad just was, then Nusa, and then uh, Mirrodin after that. So Mirrodin next spring. Spring of 2018, I guess. Because it's not outside the realm of possibility that Tezra is somewhat involved in this block because there was, uh, there was a couple links in that story, or a couple sentences in that story that strongly uh, hinted at Tezra being, or at least some sort of... Uh, artifact-based other Planeswalker being at work here. Um, Jason Liliana's time spent working for Tezzeret was referenced, so I'd be really happy to see Tezzeret because he's my favorite Planeswalker. Didn't he get name-dropped somewhere, somehow? Yeah, they uh, talked only, about how... Only flashback-wise. Like, they talked about... Uh, or Liliana, like, reminisced back to when she and Jace worked for Tezzeret. Or worked against Tezzeret or whatever. I am going to agree with Jim and Travis here. I think we're getting Return to Ravnica again because Watsi has just been reusing sets like crazy and milking nostalgia to make money, so why not milk it one last time? I mean, as long as it's better than Dragon Maze, it'll sell more packs. So, and that's not a very high bar to leap over. Um, so, Standard has started to get get shaken up a bit, especially with the rotation coming. Grim Flayers actually popped up a ton at GP Indie and other events as part of the Abzan or Jun deck. Turns out putting Lingering Souls in your graveyard from the top of your deck is pretty good card advantage. Stuff like that. And uh, turning your 2-mana into a 4-4 four, four with Trample, that especially with the metagame warping towards Secure a Tribe Builder, which a Quiet Speculation Rider touched on, I believe this was Cliff. Um... You can trample over for the damage even if they block and sack, which is what they previously had done for the Valakid decks to prevent uh, exactly what was going on. Um, as far as standard goes otherwise, we're going to be seeing Collected Company finally go away soon. 
are there any cards that you guys are looking at when rotation finally comes that you want to invest in or trade for right now? Chandra the Flame Caller is down to $10 right now. Um, the Battlelands are relatively cheap. The Shadowlands are relatively cheap. Uh, the Shadow Jace is down. Thing in the Ice is down. Is there anything that you guys want to touch in Standard? Uh... No, I don't. I don't. I don't care. I'm not gonna pretend to care. I I, I do have a pick of the week. It's pretty spicy for later on, but it's not standard legal, so I can't say it. So I think that you definitely want to buy whatever cards that you feel like playing from Eldritch Moon. Uh, I think those are the cards that are probably gonna see the biggest spikes if they do spike. Um, with Kaladesh coming out, like. Cars that have delirium are pretty good because you'll get. We're probably gonna get more artifact creatures that are not hanger backwalker that probably don't suck, and that we'll want to play, and that'll make delirium cards better. Um, hopefully, we won't have to play Pilgrim's Eye anymore because that card is not supposed to be a constructed playable card, but for some reason is. Uh, I think the Emrakul is probably going to be the best thing that you can play to kill somebody with. So, if you don't own an Emrakul or two, I would probably look in the near future to purchase one. Um, but a thing that I really think is probably, like, it, it seems like a bulk pick. Like, it's probably not going to go up too much, but you can find yourself in this situation where they're, like, $3 in a couple months. Uh, I think Transgress the Mine could be very expensive because when uh, Dragons of Tarkir and Magic Origins rotate out, we're losing a lot of, like, key sideboard cards. Negate's not going to be in standard anymore, and near there is Duress. And those are, like, pretty key cards to, like, battling a lot of sideboards, or battling after a lot of sideboards. Transgress is already two and a half bucks, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be $5 on a weekend. Like, that card is really good, and it's really, you know, it, it gets played a lot, and it's probably just going to get played more. Jim, can you explain to me why Tree of Perdition might be a valuable card to pick up based on your standard testing results? Um... What happens is if... Oh, Ultimate Price is also rotating. So, you know, just don't forget about that. Um, it turns out if you're playing the Jundelirium deck, which has, like, nothing that attacks or blocks until turn 5, and then your opponent plays Tainted Remedy and Tree of Perdition, it just it just kills you. Um, it's quite it's quite embarrassing, but I definitely owe one dropped FNM because I got killed by Tree of Perdition and Triskaidekaphobia. It was great. Uh, truth be told, I haven't spent that much time looking at Standard to decide what should and shouldn't be picked up. I know Eldrazi Mimic is pretty interesting because Eldrazi Mimic actually triggers on colorless creatures, not on Eldrazi, so uh, that's a possible plant right there that would keep working. Um, but again, that's just a rare... I mean, it's like... It was more interesting when it was like 40 or 50 cents. I think it's up to 80 or 90 cents now, which definitely cuts off some of the... The room to grow there, so I'm not I'm not sure what I'm terribly excited about now. I think whatever it is that I want, it's going to be probably an Oath of the Gate Gatewatch, um, or either that or uh, some very heavily constructed oriented battle presented car singles. But nothing specific for you, unfortunately. I really like the colorless Eldrazi United. You bring it up because if there are a lot of artifacts in Kaladesh and you want to make a deck that supports the colorless Eldrazi, like obviously casting artifacts is pretty easy in that deck, and since we're going to be losing the pain lands, it's like really imperative that most of your cards cost colorless mana, because there's just not going to be a lot of 
colored and colorless sources. I'm a big fan of Soren Grim Nemesis. I think it's down to six or seven bucks. That is a very, and that's just off the top of my head. I haven't checked TCG Player before I said that, so if I'm wrong, please correct me. Uh, the other one I like is Olivia. The red-black one is like $3 now, and that's getting into the territory where I might just start picking up a bunch. Yeah, that was. I've thought about that before, that and uh, Drana. Yeah, Drana's definitely good long-term with the counter thing. All right, so I scanned through Elder's Moon real quick, and I found a bulk rare that I actually like from Standard based on uh, just my own intuition and no actual test results. Um, because you guys were talking about Eldrazi, I actually like the the handware land, like the red land that gives stuff haste, at like 50 cents-ish, just because uh, it's it also acts as like one of the best haste enablers at EDH and for red. Because the only other like come into play untapped land that gives stuff haste is uh, Hall of the Bandit Lord, and that costs you three life for activation. The other land that gives stuff haste is the Flamekin Village, and that comes in tapped. Uh, Hamware Garrison could possibly, or not Garrison, the land uh, could possibly see standard play, maybe, just giving stuff haste and uh, also acting as a colorless enabler to uh, cast Eldrazi's move. I don't know. What do you guys th- think about that? Am I an idiot? I mean, red definitely gets better after rotation because you don't have to worry about Jermoka's command countering your burn spell and killing your guy. Like, that's a big deal. Red's also good because the uh, collective whatever wheel thing has already started putting up results before rotation. Collective defiance. Sure. As a side note, we're sold out completely of Fury Tempers and Lightning Axes. Um, Even as far as, like, from a shop standpoint, casuals are always looking for those. So if you see those in bulk, especially Lightning Axe, just pull them out. I know it was a common in time spiral, but uh, people are definitely looking to trade for those. So just something to keep in mind. Okay. Yep, just, just, I just realized that because I went to Indy to pick up a bunch of specific cards in Fury Temper and um, Lightning Axe for some of them. Because we have a lot of casuals who come in and go, yes, this will be great in my EDH deck. Three damage when I discard it. Woohoo! Not really. Uh, Marcel, are you cards. talking about Fiery Temper, not Fury Temper? Sure. Yeah, that one. Fiery Temper, not Fury Temper. My bad. Anything else, Mr. Grammar Nazi? I, I was just making sure you were saying it right. Yep. No, Eldric Moon is intentionally mispronounced, but I did mispronounce Fiery Temper. Fury temper. Yep. Furry, furry temper. I don't. No one needs to know what you do in your spare time, Travis. Okay. Furries, my furry temper. Um. So as far as modern and legacy go, Show and Tell basically just got completely reprinted in Eternal Masters, and there was a lot of talk at the legacy Uh, side tables this weekend. Conspiracy, not Eternal (laughs) Masters, but the deck basically got reprinted. Um. We got Sneak Attack and Eternal Masters. We got Forcible and Eternal Masters. Um, so there are a couple of decks that we were talking about. Merfolk, because Wasteland and Forcible were the biggest barriers besides Aether Vial, which, you know, those are really not that bad compared to how much uh, Forcible and Wasteland dropped. And Show and Tell, which doesn't need to play City of Traders, you literally save half the cost of the deck now that Show and Tell got reprinted. Um, it's just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, Gristlebrand just got reprinted, Emrakul just got reprinted. You can play Simeon Spirit Guide instead of City of Traders because you're already playing Lotus Petal. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye out for. Show and Tell's already down to 17 bucks. 
Berserks are already down to 17 or 18. Dealers this weekend were paying 25s on both, which was insane. Because this set is basically a standard set now, with, with how much is being opened. What do you guys think about the Draft Matter cards? Do you think this is more like Unhinged, where you're never going to be able to sell those, besides the foils? Yeah, I actually just wrote an article on that about Conspiracy uh, 2 Bulk, where um, I think that during the set's previewing, there was a lot of expectation that the, there were more Draft Matter cards in this set than compared to the previous one, just because of uh, the order of how the cards were spoiled and the fact that there was... Um, a lot more spread out across different colors, so there's like a vertical cycle of each color, so there's a common, uncommon, and rare Draft Matters card in every color, and then there's like a couple uh, artifacts and a couple, like a land and stuff like that, but this set only has two more cards in it that are Draft Matters, and like the rarity cycles are the same, like the rarities moved over, like there's basically the same number of commons, uncommons, and rares, so, and like all basically every single Draft Matters card is worthless when you're picking bulk, uh, so I'm still okay with picking bulk from Conspiracy 2. I'm buying it the same way I am every other bulk set, and I don't think that having a bunch of unplayable draft-only garbage is a reason to stay away from Conspiracy 2 bulk comments and comments. You're next, Jim. Sorry, I was doing some research. I'm trying to figure out which cards from Conspiracy are actually worth anything, and I don't think any of the Draft Matters cards are actually expensive. No. Did you not read my, my article? No, didn't do that, sorry. Uh, you if you haven't read Doug's article, it might be worth a subscription. He basically outlines 15 to 20 different commons that you should keep an eye out for in bulk piles, if I'm thinking of the right one, Doug. Yeah, yeah, that's the article. Yep. Like, I think that the Mythic... The Mythic Drafts Matters cards are like probably pretty good, but outside of that, I don't I don't really see any of these being like they're they're not gonna pay for your booster pack when you open them. They're already bulk mythics. Yep. Like, you can already just buy list them for a quarter. Like I don't even know if vendors will take them at bulk mythic price at a quarter just because they're so hard to get rid of. Um, they were this weekend, however, the Avatar of Woe nobody wanted at a quarter at all which is interesting, because I would think some vendors would at least want that. The, the problem here is that there is nobody on the planet that wants these conspiracies other than Hubers, basically, and they're going to get foil copies. So the foil copies are okay, but non-foils are just the proxies. <laughs> the more valuable side of the card is the back. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so we're basically agreeing that Conspiracy 2 is a garbage fire? I don't no, think it's really a, not. Nobody took Avatar If, if you're talking about, like, cracking boxes, yeah, I'd say it's a garbage fire, but uh, I don't think that this set overall can be told, like, said that it's garbage. It's and for set. those who don't believe financially that we're talking about rather than fun, there is some money in having fun with your friends, I'll give you that. Um, Alpha Investments... We normally don't plug many people on here. Uh, Alpha Investments uh, came out with a video yesterday saying that he knew shops that were turning away product that they had already ordered. They basically told their distributors that they don't want it because it's not selling. Um, I Some of the bigger vendors on the circuit had offered me Conspiracy 2 boxes at basically what they paid, and I passed on them. There's a ton of this stuff out there, and sure, it's okay to have fun drafting it, but 
if you're looking to get money like most of the people listening to this cast, just buy singles. Stay the heck away from boosters. Because you can bulk. Bulk. Yeah, you can you can basically buy almost any card in this set for less than the price of a booster pack. There's like four or five cards now that are higher. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's six mythics that are worth more than the price of a booster pack, really. Well yeah, six mythics that are worth more than the price of a booster pack. Okay, so that was close enough. And then one, two... Should be three or four rares. Yeah, it's four rares. Well, no, yeah. three rares. Yeah, four rares. If we're assuming a booster pack is four dollars. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically just not worth gambling. Uh, the foils, same thing. Um, you know, there's a pick of the week that we will get to very shortly about foils from Conspiracy 2 because we did have a lot of listener questions about Conspiracy 2 foils. But right now, just don't open packs. Like, buy a bunch of burgeonings or something. Yeah. Even then, I don't know, man. I really like burgeoning and Hornet Raid, but it just seems like there's so much of this out there right now. Well, do you want to launch into the pick of the week with, like, five to ten minutes left, and I'll go into why I think that one of the cards is a very good pick of the week? Uh, I didn't have a lot else to discuss. I don't know about these guys. All right. Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's. I feel. Um, Let's do it. I feel like I'm betraying people by having such a short cast. But Jeremy's got to go buy magic cards, and that's priority yeah. number one. Yep. It's time for the pick of the week. All right. If your ears uh, didn't die right there, Doug, if you want to start off with your pick of the week. Okay. So earlier we were talking about Jun Delirium in modern playing Grim Flare as an addition to Tarmogoyf because sets your graveyard with Lingering Souls nicely, uh, it scales into late game pretty well, takes eats up a ball early game, but like late game it doesn't eat up a ball. Um, so players have been experimenting with ways to get Delirium faster because the card's actually a 4 of. And while Mishra's Bauble already spiked because Death Shadow aggro occurred $20 and all that, you don't want to buy that. But um, one card that I've seen a few lists be playing is Tarfire, and that's been seen a little bit in Legacy play just because it's a tribal instant that like gets Tarmogoyf a little higher, but it's no. also good... What? No. no. Uh, the Tarfire reason why it's seen play in Legacy is because you can fetch it with Goblin Matron. No, I mean in Jund. Like, there's Legacy deck lists that play Tarfire. Uh. Like, Legacy Jund decks that play Tarfire because it's a tribal card for Tarmogoyf, so, like, you cast it, and then you have Tribal and Instant in your graveyard for Goyf. Okay, but the main... The people that do play four Tarfires, it's in the Goblins deck because you can fetch it with Atron. Right, but I'm just saying it's like a one or two of in that deck. All right, And, continue. like, it's it's moving into modern Jund decks. Tarfire is just because, it, in addition to pumping Goyf, it also gets Delirium faster, so you can, like, hit them with Grimflare, crack a fetch, and Tarfire their guy, and then you have Delirium very, very quickly just because it's Tribal Instant, so... I like picking Tarfire out of bulk. It's like a 20-cent card. Um, if you can happen to find a store on TCG Player that has like 20 or 30 in stock at 10 or 15 cents, I would probably buy them all. Um, it's just a card that might hit a dollar like down the road just because it's very, very unique. It's not going to get reprinted anytime soon. Um, I might like the Dual Dex Anthologies copies a little bit more just because they have the new border. I don't know. I like Tarfire. It's a bulk card. Alright, so my pick of the week is Kataki Wars Wage. That card's like a dollar to a dollar fifty. 
and we're about to go into a set that has a lot of artifacts in it, and people are saying, like, oh, you should pick up the Affinity stuff, or you should pick up, like, Tron things, because you're going to get new artifacts, and it's going to make the decks better, but I think that a lot of those cards are already too expensive, and they're not really going to get much more expensive, um, especially if there's a new deck that comes out of this, rather than an update to an existing archetype. So I think that you're better off trying to get, like, the hosers for artifacts rather than the enablers for artifacts, because if they become good, then you'll know the hosers are good. But if you buy, like, the wrong artifact enabler card, then you're just you're stuck with a card that didn't do anything. So uh, my pick is Kataki, because Stony Science is already, like, 5 or $6, and you could just buy more Katakis instead. Stony Science is, like, 10 bucks. All right, then it's that much. <laughs> Uh, I don't have anything really specific I'm in love with tonight right now on top of my head. I will tell you that Eldrazi had a really good showing at all three Grand Prix this weekend, and all of the lists were very similar. So uh, as more of a, uh, a set of cards, I would be looking at Eldrazi and specifically foil Eldrazi cards from Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch because they were... Uh, they're all over modern, and we also know they're quite good in Legacy too. And I don't think we're likely to revisit those anytime soon. And even if we start seeing reprints on those in some accessory products, they're unlikely to be foil. So whatever the foil prices on those are today, I bet they're not high enough. I would also like to put the caveat that there's one Eldrazi that was in a dual deck, or not dual deck, a, a intro pack as the foil. Uh, Drowner of Hope has like the intro pack foil, so it's probably not going to be nearly as expensive as it should be. Yeah, there's a Endbringer too was a, a promo foil, although that's not exactly part of the competitive scene. Yeah, but that does have commander appeal. Yeah, I, I like that completely, just on a different vector. Has anyone ever actually seen that card to get cast in commander? Because I haven't. I have cast it. Yep, come to our casual but shop and we'll see many things. It goes in the Eldrazi next year, I get that, Jim, but like I've never seen it be played in like a deck that wasn't just solely dedicated to Eldrazi or colorless spells. <laughs> It seems like the type of card that really should start out in almost every EDH deck. Like, the only reason not to play it is the opportunity cost of the slot. It's very good against Voltron commanders. That's why most people play it locally in our area. That is Make, true. Making it so that they can't attack with their double-striking Kemba or whatever, it's, it basically shuts down their entire plan. Who's buzzing? I think that's Jeremy. Probably. All right, so I'm going to go into my pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week, and I'm going to hit it on three different markets, is Horn of Greed uh, from Conspiracy 2. This card is $1.37 on TCG in the United States. Um, I was able to secure 120 copies today at a dollar each, including shipping. I think this card is 3 to $4 in one to two years. The reason being, um, this card was very expensive and hard to find. It was from Stronghold. Now a lot of players that previously could not access this card will have it. I think a dollar thirty-seven uh, TCG low or a dollar on Twitter is too cheap. Um, next, we're going to go into the European market on Horn of Greed. It is as low as fifty point five euros or half a euro on MTG card market through dozens and dozens of sellers. Through my European contact contacts, I was able to pick up two hundred and forty-seven copies uh, from the European market today. Um, I also picked up 87 foils from the European market for uh, 7 euros each. 
Um, most places are retailing this card for 14 to 15 United States dollars. TCG Low on the Foil is 14.25. The reason being that um, this is the first time it's ever been printed as a foil, and Commander people like their foils. This goes in a lot of decks, including Azusa, and most Azusa players that I've met locally have been asking me for the foil, and I think I can sell it to them at a higher margin than it is currently going for, and they would still be all right with that. Third, we're going to hit the Japanese market. Haruyuya currently had 137 copies in stock at 80 yen each, and they had foils at 1,000 yen each, basically 10 United States dollars or 982 after the conversion rate. Still way too cheap. Wisdom Guild, which is Jap- which is uh, Japan's TCG player, had copies as low as 37 cents for regulars, and they had foils as low as 5 United States dollars. I picked up 138 foils from Wisdom Guild, and I picked up 285 copies of regulars from Japan. Um, I am clearly very deep on this card, but that's why our cast is called Cartel Aristocrats. I think, and I'm putting my money where my mouth is, that this card is an easy double up by the end of 2018. Wasn't this my pick of the week last week? This is before the price went as low as we thought it was going to go. Didn't I say get them at a dollar? Yep. And so did Jason (laughs) Old on Brainstorm Brewery. Um, I decided to put my money where my mouth is and say, let's get rid of a lot of these... uh, Let's pick up all the lowest price copies using a little bit of Twitter black magic and all that. Um, so next week, I will not be sitting on a chair, and this will not be a bed here. It will just be piles of Horn of Greens, because I guess I'm greedy. You're thirsty. Yep. I mean, I am still in college, so let's be fair. And as always, uh, we're going to end this cast. If you guys want to go ahead and plug yourself one more time, I'm sorry that this is a short cast, but i got to go buy magic cards. You know the grind. All right, so as I said before, my name is Douglas Johnson. Uh, you can find my articles on Quiet Speculation behind the Insider Paywall. Uh, they are worth it, but that's not the only reason it's worth it to get an Insider membership. Uh, they come out Thursday. You can find me on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. You can find me on Reddit at Rose of Thorns. Uh, I don't know. That's all I've got for today, this time. You still haven't told us your blood type. We're still waiting on that one. I think it's A something. It's either A positive or A negative. It's like a legend name, Steam name, Nintendo Wii, ID, Xbox, gamer tag, PSN, gamer tag. I don't have any game consoles anymore. License plate. Your social security number? Is that one next? Or credit card number? Where are you registered for your wedding? And are we invited? I could be. Feasibly, I could be. Travis could be. I don't know if he. I don't know if he'd want to come. Charles could be. He won't be. But he could yeah. be. I'm not setting. I'm not setting foot in New York as long as I live. Hopefully. Uh, Jim, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at phrost underscore. You can find me on Modern Nexus every Tuesday, and you can find me on Gathering Magic every other Monday. I don't think you announced that yet. Like. Previously. I did, actually, at the beginning of the cast, if you were listening to the cast that you're on. Ah, uh, yeah. He did. But he hasn't okay. said it outside of the cast, has he? No, this would be the first time anyone hears. This is a Cartel Aristocrats exclusive. If Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I'm Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, on Twitter, every Wednesday at mtgprice.com, and roughly every Thursday uh, on MTG Fast Finance. And I'm Zemet at Zemet Sells Magic. Um, 
big shout out to Doug for getting back on Brainstorm Brewery as a guest member. If you guys haven't listened to that cast or MTG Fast Finance, give it a listen. And as always, the last piece of advice is always a little bit of wisdom. Remember to the people listening that Delver of Secrets is just a 1-1, but on the flip side, it is a 3-2. Thank you for listening to the Cartel Aristocrats Finance Podcast number 23, and we'll see you guys for a longer cast next week.